In last week's Gospel reading, we heard Jesus perform the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. Following that miracle, Scripture says Jesus dismissed the crowds and then went up into the hills by himself to pray. It's a phrase that can easily be lost in the midst of the other major events of the gospel. Think about this. Jesus performs an incredible miracle by feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Then he sends his disciples into their boat and tells them to cross Lake Galilee. And that is where we hear today's gospel story, which is another amazing miracle. Jesus walks on water, something totally unbelievable. Of course, I could focus my sermon on this central part of the passage and highlight how it once again reveals the divine essence of Christ. Jesus has control over nature, over a storm, over the waves and the wind, and he can even walk on water. Truly, Jesus is God Almighty. Yet instead, I want to focus on the little verse between Jesus dismissing the crowds of 5,000 and him walking on the water. Again, Scripture says, Jesus goes up into the hills by himself to pray. Why does Jesus need to pray? Maybe was it that his human nature needed to separate himself from all the demands of the crowds, from all the temptations of the world, and he needed to renew himself and remind himself of his divine mission. Do you remember when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days right after his baptism and right before he began his public ministry? He spent 40 days in the desert fasting and praying. And during that time, he was tempted by the devil, tempted to give the masses what they wanted so that they would adore him, tempted to become a miracle worker and amaze the crowds so that they would believe in him because of his miracles, tempted to worship Satan and in that way attain ultimate worldly power. After those 40 days, Scripture says, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. The devil would keep tempting Jesus throughout his life. So our Lord was tempted in his ministry. Maybe this is the reason why he would go up a mountain and spend a night in prayer. We see this again and again throughout his life. For example, this past Thursday, we celebrated one of the great feasts in the life of Christ, the transfiguration of our Lord. In that instance, we see how Jesus again climbed a mountain to pray all night. In this case, he took with him Peter, James, and John, and they spent a night in prayer. In the middle of the night, however, in the midst of his prayers, all of a sudden Jesus radiates the divine light. The uncreated light shines from Jesus. Peter and the other disciples are overwhelmed and can't even look at him because his appearance is brighter than the sun. Christ reveals his divine identity to his followers right before his crucifixion. Remember how we say every week when we recite the creed of faith, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is light of light, true God of true God. Well, here in this passage, Christ reveals the divine, his divine uncreated light. 
at his transfiguration. So we have three different and astounding miracles that we've heard these past two weeks. The transfiguration of our Lord, the feeding of the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and Jesus walking on water. All three miracles reveal how Jesus of Nazareth is not simply a prophet. He's not simply a wise teacher. He's not simply a special rabbi. He is not simply one of the greatest human beings that has ever lived. Jesus Christ is nothing less than God himself. God who became a human being and lived among us to show everyone what true humanity is all about, as well as to reveal to the world in the most clear manner who God is, a God of sacrificial love, a God of compassion and mercy, a God of kindness and goodness, especially to the sinner, a God who loves every sinner and desires all people to be saved. So, of course, I could focus today, today's sermon solely on this aspect of Christ's divinity and affirm who he is for all of us. But instead, I want to take note on the simple and unassuming verse we heard in today's gospel, as well as what we heard at the Lord's Transfiguration. Jesus went up a mountain to spend a night in prayer. How many of us have ever spent a night in prayer? If any of you have ever slept at a monastery, there's a good chance you might have woken up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to join the monastic prayers. I remember my numerous visits to monasteries on Mount Athos, as well as when I visited St. Anthony's Monastery in Arizona or other monasteries. The monks wake up at 2 a.m. to begin their prayers until sunrise. Well, the monastics are simply imitating what Christ did in his life, spending nights in prayer. Think about that. How many of us take prayer this seriously in our lives? I know we all pray. Maybe we say a prayer before our meals. Hopefully we say a prayer when we wake up or before we go to bed. But how many of us take prayer as seriously as Christ did? as seriously as the monks and the nuns do. We must remember that prayer is the primary way we connect with God. It's not simply fulfilling some religious duty by saying a few words in a mechanical way. Prayer is a deep connection with God, communicating with Him in our most intimate relationship. This is why St. Gregory the Theologian says, Remember God in prayer more than you breathe. Or the great theologian George Florosky said, The goal of prayer is precisely to be with God always. The greatest purpose of prayer is to dwell in the presence of God and to abide in His love. Through prayer, we talk with God and we listen to God. We converse with the, the one who loves us more than we can even imagine, for he is the source of love. Few experiences can equal prayer in the way it fills us with strength, peace, and joy. Through prayer, we can rise above any challenge and over every problem we face.
As human beings created in God's image and likeness, we're created for prayer, just as we're created to think and to speak. We humans are not best defined as logical or tool-making mammals. We are best defined as people who can connect with our Creator through prayer, people who can turn to the Almighty God in worship, praise, thanksgiving, confession, petition, and intercession. These are some of the many forms of prayer we offer to the Lord. This is why St. Paul exhorts us to pray without ceasing. Metropolitan Callistos Ware goes on to challenge us by saying, learn to be with God always in prayer, to make our prayer not just an occasional activity, but a continual undertaking, not to pray from time to time, but to make prayer a part of who we are all the time. For this is what the world around us needs, not people who pray occasionally, but people who are at each moment a living flame of prayer. It's easy to call out to God in prayer, but it's not so easy to be disciplined and serious about prayer. We get so easily distracted. We get sidetracked by our cares and worries, as well as by all the superficial things of life. And why do we get distracted so easily? Because this is the last thing the devil wants us to do. He doesn't want us to connect with God. As soon as we try to pray, as soon as we stand before an icon and make our cross, a hundred things will cross our mind to pull our attention away. That's not by chance. That's the attack of the evil one, trying to divert our attention away from God. So try to make a serious commitment to pray. Come and see me, and we can help you develop a prayer rule a discipline you commit to doing every day. Remember, just as a child learns to walk by walking, one can best learn to pray by praying more and more. Let's all be careful and vigilant in our prayers. Be sober and serious. Be disciplined and deliberate. And let's remember how Jesus would go up into the hills and pray all night. He set an example for us to imitate. May we daily try to imitate him and intimately connect with our Lord through our prayers.